congratulations to uh, Grandpa Greg Marbach over there. He's, uh, by the way, in Cora, and of course Trent's here as well. Congratulations to the birth of your little granddaughter, guys. So, uh, and uh, forgive me if I miss everybody who has babies in our church. Just, you've got to tell me, that's all. But, uh, but I do want to mention that. Great. I want to just let you know, church, that we, again, every year, we have this wonderful opportunity to give what uh, we call our first fruits offering. If you could just turn it down slightly um, for me, Jay, that'd be great. Maybe just the echo, if you can handle that, deal with that. Um, and we give a first fruits offering, and uh, every, we've been doing it for probably uh, 10 or so years. Uh, I haven't got exact time of how long we'll be doing that. And we take it up every year, and we give it uh, into some incredible need, uh, sometimes often around the world, and we sort to portion it out, whether it's someplace around the world, somewhere local in our missions, and then somewhere in our church. And this year is no different. I just wanted to quickly just, uh, if you've never heard of First Fruits, let me just show you something quickly in what the Bible says. It just says in Proverbs, have we got it there, Nick? It just says in Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Uh, and there's always a reason for that. Is so it, it, they say, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. Now, we haven't got barns. We've got sheds. Uh, but we don't have barns like they did in Old Testament time or New Testament time. And we don't usually have um, wine vats. Um, I, though I did hear Pastor Malcolm had one. Is that right? No, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> no, we don't usually have that. But anyway, we see the... Uh, the reality that God says, the important thing there is, is His honor. I, I think when we continually uh, are giving, have a generous spirit, the most important thing is we honor God. And uh, that's an incredible thing. And it says, just with the first fruits of your increase. Uh, the wonderful thing about the Jewish people is they used to, their crops would grow and they take the first part of the crop, the, the first part of the crop, and they'd come and present that in the temple and they'd give it to the priest and they say this is the first fruit and when they would give their first fruits into the uh, into the uh, to the priests they were saying god as we give our first fruit we're just believing that you will look after us for the rest of the season and provide a bountiful supply of everything we need and that's what they were saying god we're honoring you we're giving this so that you may provide for the rest of the season there's a verse actually that goes like this the first of the first fruits of your land you should bring into the house of the lord your god so we just talk about that and, we, and the truth is, uh, as we come and we're just saying, thank you, we're saying, thank you God for your provision. And as we come and give, because the, the financial year is just kind of, um, we're over the financial year, we're into the next financial year, it finishes in June of course. And uh, we're saying, God, as we just come and provide uh, a, a part of our wage, in actual fact, what we suggest to you, uh, for some of you this is like way out of the box, but... This is a free will offering. You don't have to be involved if you don't want to, but I would encourage you to be. We say, why don't you take, the, why don't you take your first wage, a whole wage, and just give it to first fruits? Well, that's a bit, that's a bit rich, isn't it? No, no, it's up to you, but I, I just think it's a great thing. Uh, so that's what we're saying. And, you know, when we think of first, things first, um, you know, if you have a guest for a meal, you'll serve them first. If you have an important person in your company, you'll let them go through the door first. 
And often we, dis- we find in life that what's in, what we, we give priority to, and we put first when it's important in our hearts. And I just think generosity is an important thing. And so we're going to be a part of another first fruits offering. I want to just let you know where we gave our first fruits last year. And uh, uh, actually, 1 John 4 9 says, he lo- We love him because what? God first loved us. I love that. He first loved us. And uh, he first showed his love towards us, so we respond. But this is where we gave our first fruits last year. If you remember, Pastor Margaret Pashley in the Philippines has an orphanage. And at the present moment, she has about 68 um, young people off the streets of the main area of Tarkloban around the island of Leyte in the Philippines. And, and of course, she schools them. She has a church. She feeds them. She looks after them. She, um, and then she has a whole uh, wonderful um, you know, homes and parents to look after them. And so last year, we bought her, a, well, we gave a good part of the money to, for, towards a van, a people mover. And there it is. I think it was about $22,000 that we gave from our first fruits offering. Um, and we've done some other things locally as well with our first fruits offerings. So we gave it out. About 75% of the first fruits went out. And uh, this year, I want to let you know what we're going to be doing. We're going to, again, we're going to give 50% of our first fruits to the Center for Change where Pastor Margaret is. Because if you may remember, about two years ago, a typhoon went through the Philippines, and particularly the island of Leyte, and uh, killed between. They say, uh, they say officially it was 6,000. It was more like 10,000 people were killed on that fateful day. It, just around where Margaret lives and within two hours of her where the Centre for Change is. Thankfully, no one was killed at the Centre for Change. They lost all the roofs of their houses. And you might know that we help rebuild those by giving money to her. Now she wants to build a community centre that the community can use. It would be a, it would be a typhoon-proof building. You can see the initial diagram there of what she's uh, suggesting that she wants to build. She wants to build it on her land, not just for the Centre for Change people, but for the community to come, to use it as a sporting complex, uh, to use it as a a typhoon shelter. If a typhoon ever comes again, it'd be typhoon-proof. And then um, also to use it as her church, because, you know, she's got this incredible church that's happening there now. So that's what we're going to give 50% of our first fruits to this year. The other, another 25% we're going to give to uh, Rosebury House, House Youth Shelter here in Gladstone, because we think that's important locally. Uh, another Part of that 25% will go to chaplaincy. Another part of that 25% will go to Fresh FM Christian Radio, and that's school chaplaincy. And the last 25% uh, will go towards our building. Uh, you mightn't be aware, but we're planning uh, on uh, an extension in this building, because we just at times need more seats. Uh, who knows that's a good problem when everybody if everybody turned up we wouldn't have enough seats in our church if everybody who comes to our church just that we all come at different times uh so we just need to extend a little bit and uh, that's what we're going to be doing as well so does that sound great we'd love you to be a part of it it's a free will offering no compulsion but if you would desire you can we'll have first fruit sunday on the 30th of this month the end of this month and then after that all of September, you're welcome to give if you want to. It's up to you what you do with that, but I encourage you to be part of it. It's great. And we've been doing it for well over a decade now, and it's been a wonderful blessing to people all around the world as we've given. Amen? So that's what's happening with our first roots. You know, this morning, 
uh, church I'd love to just talk about because I've just mentioned first fruits. I just wanted to talk to you today about financial contentment. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about it. Uh, in actual fact, when I go to the New Testament and I've explored what Jesus talks about when he talks about, whenever he talks about money or riches or wealth or possessions, he talks about that more than he talks about heaven or hell. Isn't that interesting? In actual fact, he talks about wealth and money and possessions more than he talks about faith and, and, um, and prayer. Now, don't get me wrong, for not one minute do I think uh, that money is more important than faith or prayer. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Jesus spoke a lot more about possessions, wealth and riches and money than he did about those other subjects. And I found this very interesting. So as we, I've I, I done some exploring and I said, what did Jesus actually say about this subject? I want to just, more than preach this morning, I want to teach. Is that okay? I just want to share with you because I think it's pretty important for our lives and our well-being and the way that we look at life and do life that we understand. Because I ultimately want to talk to you about financial contentment. But before I just start there, let me just share a couple of things about what Jesus said about money. Because I asked myself the question, why did he talk about money, possession and riches so often? Why did he do that so often? And I've discovered some things. And the first thing that I discovered was interesting because it, uh, it just says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, where your treasure is, come on, where your treasure is, what is there also? There your heart will also be or be also. I thought, wow. As I thought about that simple verse, it's really saying this. It's saying, nothing indicates more accurately to you about what is important to you than how you think about money and how you spend your money. Isn't that true? Nothing, nothing indicates more accurately to you than how you think and spend your money. It, it, it indicates to you where your heart is. In actual fact, I thought about it. How would you ever test my heart? How could I ever test your heart about where, we, where you know, our heart desire is? And if you wanted to find out what your heart desire is sometimes and what you spend your money on, You'd have to just look at your bank statements or your credit card records, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be a good indication of where we spend our money? Not necessarily where our heart is, but where we spend our money. And the truth is, that's the reality. If you were to look at my bank records, um, just in this last year, actual fact, all my life, I've always enjoyed having a bit of a run and jogging. I just um, enjoy that. I know for some of you, that's just like the last thing on earth you want to do. That's fine. But for me, I just, and, and particularly in the last 12 months, I've just kind of enjoyed it again. Maybe it's because I turned, you know, I'm over the, over the hill and, and gaining speed. You know, I'm over, <laughs> that's what I like to think. I'm over 50 and I thought, you know, maybe I just need to keep a little bit fit. So if you were to look at my bank statement, you'd see that I've spent money, well, not in recent times, but I, I spend money on running shoes. It's amazing how fast those things Right, you know, wear out, far out, and they cost. Anyway, and, and if you were to look at my statement, you see that I've bought some skins. If you don't know what skins are, um, they're things that you put on your, you know, you can wear to, you know, um, help you and your muscle muscles to run better, as good as I can explain it. And I bought some inner ears so I can, you know, um, uh, listen to what my phone is telling me, how far I've run, how fast I'm run, and, and, and whether I'm doing okay. So I've spent a little bit of money. And, and the reality is you say, why would you do that? Well, it's because I enjoy that. And it's an indication of where my 
where I spend my money, where my heart's desire is. Isn't that true? I could say, you might say to me, you know, why don't you take up swimming? It's less, less jarring on the knees. And, and I would, you know, spend some money on goggles. And, and I know some of you love swimming. And I think, you know, that, and I want to tell you why I won't spend money on swimming. He's got, I don't like swimming <laughs> compared to running. But you, you might like swimming, and so you spend money, and your bank records would indicate that you've spent money on, you know, three different types of maybe swimmers this year. I don't know. But, you know, what we see is where, our, when we look at that, we see where our heart's desire is. And, you know, um, the reality is, is that, so you spend your money on where your heart's desire is. So where my treasure is, there is my heart's desire. And the thing that I find, money itself is not spiritual, but where I spend my money is a spiritual issue because nothing better illustrates where my heart is than where I spend my money. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying that that's consuming you. I'm just saying it's an indication where you spend your money. Maybe you spend your money on a lot of giving, maybe missions, or, or that might be your heart desire. I don't think that's a great desire. I haven't spent a lot of money on running, but I pray to God that it's not consumed me. I don't want it to. But, you know, we've got to be aware of that. Where you spend your money is where your heart's desire is. The second thing I find about Jesus, and when he spoke about money, uh, the thing that Jesus spoke about, uh, about money is because I believe Jesus knew this about us, is because money can sometimes can seek to replace God in our lives. Here's a... Here's a verse in the Bible, uh, in Luke chapter 16, 13. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It does say in the Old Testament, Menem also means money. So you can't serve both God and money. Why would Jesus say this? And I was thinking about this, and the reality is, is because money likes to whisper in your ear all the time. And it'll whisper things like this. If you just had a bit more, you could be happy. If you, yeah, I do it all the time. I've got to stop it. Because I realize it says, if you just had a bit more, you would be secure. If you just had a bit more, you would have a status and you'd ultimately have a better identity in the community if you had a lot, had more money. And I think we've all heard the voice. Has anybody not heard that voice? Oh, so we all have, I understand. We have, haven't we? It whispers to us all the time. I was driving past the news agency, past the, the Night Owl Centre up Dawson Highway there, and the news agency has this big electronic sign, and it has the gold lotto amount you can win for the weekend. I think, and, you know, at some time there it said $32 million you could win. And I started to dream about what I, it was whispering in my ear how much I, what I would do with $32 million. And, and I thought, well, if I won $32 million, God, I'd, you know, you, you go through all these things, and you'd say, well, I wouldn't be greedy. And I thought how much I could give to my two daughters who are married and I'm sure they're in my son-in-laws. Give them a couple million each. And you start to, you go over the figures and you think I'd give, then I give a couple million to all my three sisters and, you know, and, and then I said, stop it. You don't need it. You don't need $32 million. Nothing wrong with having it. God wants to give me 32, but I'm sure if God gave you 32, there'd be a reason he gave it to me for, wouldn't you think so? So we see money whispers things in our ears. 
Things like, um, and you know, the truth is, things like happiness and security and things like identity are things we do need. We need those things. We need security. We need happiness. Those are real needs. But what happens is money whispers to you and says, I can provide those things for you. When those things were never meant to be provided by money, they were meant to be provided by God. Security, happiness, and identity. So there's nothing wrong with having money. But when we get, we'll get into trouble if money has us. That's, a, that's the trouble, isn't it? When money has us, we have to be careful. We don't try and find peace and happiness and status and security, which only ultimately God can provide. Here's the third thing that Jesus talks about. Well, actual fact, Jesus doesn't talk about it. The Old Testament talks about this one. And, and, and it says in this last book of the um, Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, if you bring your tithes, into the place where you're nourished, that is a tenth, you know, God will actually look after you and provide for you. This is what it says in uh, Malachi chapter 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there'll not be a room enough to receive it. And I was thinking, Father, I really kind of would love to have not enough room to receive it. You know, God, because I haven't, maybe I'm yet to learn to continue to be someone who's generous. That's a promise. Isn't that a great promise? To bring it into... Notice it says the storehouse, and that's the place where you're nourished from. Um, As a church, we'll always be giving to missions, but missions are not the storehouse where you're fed. As a church, some of you might give to... um, Who's some of our telly speakers? Name me one. Joyce Meyer, what a wonderful preacher. But, but she's not, folks, she's not going to be the one who turns up at your bed when you're sick. Hello? You know what I'm saying? Bring it into the storehouse. Um, I've got no problems if you want to bless her and help her. But, you know, make sure that God just talks about that giving into the place where you're fed. So Jesus talks about these things. It's interesting that this scripture is the only place where God asks us to put him to the test. The only place where God says, try me in this area of your life. Uh, Martin Luther, the great um, European evangelist, 500 years ago, this is 500 years ago, I read, he made this statement. He said, people usually convert to, the Christ, to Jesus Christ three times. First in their head, second in their heart, and thirdly in their hip pocket. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe humanity hasn't changed in 500 years, I think. Because sometimes I think that we've got to realize that we may know Christ, but have we given him our whole life? Have we surrendered our life to him? And God says, put me to the test. And it can be a difficult area to trust God with. And God addresses it differently from any other verse, any other scripture by asking us to test him. So with those three things that from scripture, I'd like to just spend a, a few more moments just talking about financial contentment. And... Um, and, to, and, and how we can have that, because I find financial contentment is an incredible, incredibly releasing and powerful in our lives. Because our life revolves around work, making money, buying things, um, looking after our family. We need security. We need food. We need we, our life revolves around this. Sometimes we can be. Uh, I've heard pastors that don't ever talk about money in church. Why not? Jesus talked about it all the time. I want people to be blessed. Don't you? Why not talk about, it's, it's like sex. They say, well, don't talk about sex in church. My goodness, you need to come to my sex talks. 
I haven't done them this year, but I think it's a great subject because God invented it for pleasure within the context of Mary. What a wonderful subject to talk about. You know, and we've got to understand God talks about it, why not us? Are you with me this morning? You're okay. The first thing I'd like to say about financial contentment is this. We are not one of those churches that are prosperity doctrine churches, okay? That everybody can be a millionaire. I'm not going to go there. Because I don't think everybody needs to be a millionaire. Now, if God wants to give us all a million dollars, as I said before, I think it would be for a reason, not to keep to ourselves. But we're not a prosperity church. This, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Have you heard it? We're not that. Secondly, nothing I share about finance is something is, is, is nothing that I haven't been through myself personally. What I've been, Michelle and I have been on this incredible journey for decades of learning to be more and more generous, more and more generous, more and more generous, more and more generous. And it's just a wonderful way to live life. Uh, and for a lot of you, I don't have to convince you of that. I am not a rich person because I am not in the top thousand millionaires or rich people in Australia. You wouldn't see my name on the list. You'll see it maybe right down the bottom, but I'm not on the top. So I'm not a rich person in comparison to this nation. I am a rich person in comparison to 95% of the population in the world. Because they tell me if you own a refrigerator this morning, you're in the top 5% richest people in the world. Interesting, isn't it? Just interesting, I've had three refrigerators in my life and I've only ever bought one of them. So, so God provides. I was just thinking about that. See, my passion this morning is for us to have money as our servant, not as our master. As our servant, not as our master. And to be able to see that we, what we have and what we hold in our hands can be an incredible blessing to others and to ourselves. It can be an incredible blessing if we would just understand biblical principles for financial contentment. And unfortunately, many people struggle with money. And unfortunately, in first world countries, um, there is a, a large percentage of marriages that break up because of money problems, both from Christian circles and non-Christian circles. And I find that terrible. And so my heart and my passion as a pastor is to address that so we can live in financial contentment. Not live in, in incredible well, live wealth, but live in financial contentment. So, here we go. When our earnings exceed our, sorry, uh, when our yearnings exceed our earnings, we're in trouble. Would you agree? When our yearnings exceed our earnings, we've got some problems. There's, a, there's an actor and a film producer called Woody, Woody Allen. And he said this, if someone asked him a question, um, how, much will it, how much money would it take to make you happy? And his answer was very enlightening. He said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And they said, well, how much is more? He says, well, I don't know, but if you just give me a little bit more, I might know. And he says, how much? He says, well, just a bit more. And isn't that the way that life goes? Just a little bit more. And when we've got the little bit more, sometimes it can be, well, just a little bit more and I'll be happy. I'm happy now, but oh, just a little bit more. And it goes on and on and on. And uh, in, in actual fact, it's true, isn't it? To make us happy, just a little bit more. And so for when a yearning for stuff exceeds your capacity to pay for it, we end up in a spiraling circle of debt, which isn't a positive and good thing. Solomon said this. I love Solomon 14.30. He just said this. 
It's healthy to be content, but envy will eat you up. Let's explore that for a moment. When you're content with what you're earning, then you don't end up with massive debt or whatever debt it may be. Solomon says it's not just financial health, if you look, we'll look at some other scriptures, but you know what can happen is when you're content, you can have mental health, you can have physical health, you can, in, 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 in all that you are, you can have health. But envy, envy of what other people have got or envy of what you haven't got will eat you up from the inside out. Would you agree? I want that. It can eat you up. See, Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9 says, Be satisfied. Being satisfied with what you have is better than always wanting more. I think, the, I think they understood something back then in, in, when they wrote that. And it can be a hard lesson for us to learn because we have a society that's always bombarding us with a thing called advertising. Advertising. And advertise. Someone said that the purpose of advertising is to get us to buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't know. And advertising says... Your house is nice, but you probably need an extension. Or your house is nice, but you need a little bigger one. Or you need a bigger block of land. Advertising says you have a nice car, but wouldn't it be nice to have the latest model? Advertising says you need that dress. Advertising says you need that ladder that can do 134 things. (laughs) You know the ladder I'm talking about. Advertising says you need that extra pair of shoes. Advertising. And it's always whispering in our ears. Advertising says, and Solomon says, it's better to be satisfied with what you've got. Now, I'm not uh, against you buying something that you need. I'm just saying advertising will push you too far sometimes. And you think, well, that if I had that, then I'd be happy. And, and, and that's not right. I want to say my first point about financial contentment is this unless we learn to be content we'll become tired i'll explain something proverbs 23 4 says this do not wear yourself out to be rich do you want to know what that means in the um, original um, hebrew do not wear yourself out to be rich that's what it means (laughs) simple isn't it there was there was a russian novelist called leon tolstoy Leon Tolstoy tells a fable about a master who had a servant and the servant and the master said to the servant I tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to tomorrow as far as you can run is this amount of land that I'm going to give you he says in the daylight hours as soon as the sun rises you start running and whatever you wherever you get by sunset that is yours and the servant thought this is my opportunity to be really rich and so he, he was up before dawn, and as the sun came over the horizon, he, he took off. And for 12 or so hours, he ran, and he ran, and he ran, and he got to the, as the sun went down, and he collapsed and died. <laughs> In other words, consumerism can be very exhausting, wanting more, wanting more, always trying to get more. Uh, that can be some people's life story for they can be rushing about seeking to get more and more and more and they get tired and they don't have time to enjoy it. Don't have time to enjoy it. Have you ever heard the saying, it's, 
the, the grass is greener on the other side? Well, guess what? The water bill is larger as well. <laughs> so, you know, the, the thing is, is we get more stuff. And what happens when we get more stuff? We're going to pay more money to upkeep what with the stuff we have. Now, there's nothing... Well, please understand me. You know, I've obviously kitted myself out to do a bit of running. But I kind of see that an investment in my spiritual health. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. No, no. But, you know... I, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, let's be aware of that. Because we've all got stuff in the garage and stuff in the, in the, in the, maybe in the cabinets in the lounge room where we put in glass cases that we'll never use, that were given as wedding presents. We've got them too. You know, so I am convinced I need to start to give them away at weddings because we never use it. <laughs> never use it. And we've been married 28 years and it's still there. I'm thinking, when are we ever going to use that? Some of it has... Uh, you know, um, nostalgic value. And we think of certain things when we see that. But, oh my goodness, stuff we never use. Don't wear yourself out to be rich, Solomon says in Proverbs. And maybe we think that we don't earn enough, but the truth is maybe, the truth is maybe we just want too much. Uh, Philippians 4.9 says this, My God will meet all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What a great verse. Notice it says, He will meet all your needs and not all your greeds. Um, because without contentment, we can find that we can be, uh, we would get tired, just tired of running after stuff. Uh, another thing that we, with, with our contentment, when we have financial contentment, we don't get nowhere near as stressed. Nowhere near as stressed. You know, I, I've come to this understanding that I am never going to get stressed over someone trying to scratch my Porsche car. Never going to get stressed over someone going to scratch my Porsche. You know why I'm never going to get stressed over someone that might scratch my Porsche? Because I don't own a Porsche. And if you want a Porsche, that's okay, go for it. But please, for goodness sake, don't let it own you. Because I've seen people with cars, and my, some of my friends, and that's fine, they're still friends, they're not in this church. And my goodness, they, they don't drive at certain places because they just don't want it to be scratched. They don't go to supermarkets. I lived with a good mate of mine, he had an RX-7 Mazda, it was a lovely little two-seater. My goodness, if he had a family, he would have had trouble. But I had to drive my Holden to the supermarket for two reasons. He didn't want to get it scratched, and number two is he couldn't fit the groceries in the stupid thing. <laughs> What's the use of a car like that? Now, nothing against my mate. He probably had good heart attitudes about it. He was a Christian. He loved God somewhere. So I'm just thinking stress. See, I love what Ecclesiastes says. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5.12, it says, The sh sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no what? Sleep. Now, if you're rich, I'm not saying this is the, the general rule. I'm just saying this can't be the case. So my second thought is that not only does, um, if you have financial contentment, you're not as tired because you're not rushing, rushing after stuff to earn money. And number two is you're not as stressed. That's why contentment has implications for every area of our lives. Uh, because when you've learned contentment, you find that you're less tired, that you're less stressed. And the third thing is you're less conflicted, less conflict in your life when you have 
a contentment about what you have. See, Proverbs 15, 27 says, A greedy person brings trouble to his family. And I've already mentioned the reality uh, that the number one cause of divorce in the Western world is trouble with money. In the Western world, not, not in third world in countries, but first world countries. And such is the trouble that a constant striving for more and more causes in our marriages. Um, another verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says, People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many harmful desires that plunge them into ruin. And as I read that verse, I notice it, it doesn't say, Paul isn't talking about rich people, church. But people, he's talking about people who long to be rich. It's like money is not a problem. It's the love of money, isn't it? It's the longing to be rich. It's not rich it being rich itself. And people are like this because they've ripped. They, and people who are susceptible for that longing to always have more and to be rich and longing for it. Um, what happens is there comes a susceptibility to being ripped off. To being ripped off because they always are looking at how they can get rich quickly sometimes not always but sometimes but when an opportunity arises, have you ever had an email ever had those emails that says someone in a european country says i have just inherited 35 million dollars and your name has come up and i want to uh, i want to uh, invest in your future whatever it's who's ever had that email yeah look at it and and it says who's ever answered it and it says, if you would give me your details, I'll, I'll, I'll put several million in your life, uh, into your account. And, and do you know, hundreds of people have invested in that scam and got ripped off. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Isn't that a shame? Do you know why that happens sometimes? It's because there's this longing for it to be rich. A longing to be rich. No, nothing wrong with being rich, just that longing. Always wanting. Um, if you were content... You're not caught up by schemes. Uh, in actual fact, contentment uh, scam-proofs your life. Because you don't have to buy uh, the lotto tickets. You don't have to buy that. And if you do, okay, that's fine. But please just consider why. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? So we see not only contentment. If we have no contentment in our finance, we can get tired. We can get stressed. And the third thing is that we find sometimes find conflict because of money. I don't want to live in a conflict. Paul actually says something in 1 Timothy, which is a great verse. And he says, "How Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Isn't that true? For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these... We shall be what? Content. With these we shall be content. I've discovered the antidote to materialism or consumerism or just wanting more, that's what that really means, just wanting more and more, is actually to be a giver, to give. And you, may, well, you might say today, I'm not materialistic and I'm not a consumer type person. Great, that's brilliant. Uh, we'll answer this question. How generous are you? That's the question I have this morning. How generous are you? Because I've, I've seen in my personal life 
the amount of generosity I have often connects with the, the amount of financial contentment I have. I've often discovered that as I'm generous, even though sometimes it's been hard, saying, oh God, you know, because the, the temptation is when you give, say, oh, well, where will that bill be paid for if I give this amount? That's the, that's the whisper in our ear. And so I've discovered that uh, generosity and contentment are connected in life. And one of the signs, can I be totally honest? Is that okay? Do you give me permission? One of the signs that we struggle with materialism is that when any, any, anybody ever talks about giving money, you get this, <clears throat> why do they have to talk about giving money? The truth is, God doesn't need our money. So why does he ask for it? It's a good question. Why does he ask to give in tithes and offerings? Why does he ask to bring it into the storehouse? I want to tell you why. One of the major reasons is, is that he asked me to give to break the grip of materialism and consumerism and the wanting of more and more over my life. And I find the more that I give, the more that it breaks that spirit of the world over my life. God doesn't need me to give an offering, but he does ask me to. And if I can break the grip of materialism in my life, then I'll find that I'll have an incredible sense of contentment about how I live my life. An incredible sense to live free. Folks, the truth is, Michelle and I, over the last 28 years, have mainly lived on one wage. And God is, and we've wondered how in the world that we've brought up three girls, two married in the same year. We wondered how in the world we paid for that. And I still look back and I go, how did that happen? And I just want you to know that I have an incredible God who looks after those who have a content and generous heart. We are a testimony to just what God can do. And if you want to sit with me, I'll tell you, you can walk through my house and I'll tell you all the things that I've actually bought. And it's not too many compared to what I've been given. And you may say, oh, but you're the pastor. People are going to do that. No, I've discovered when I don't give, nothing comes back. But when I do, God provides. And I don't give to get because if that's my motivation, what's the use? But I do give that he would give back to me so I can be even greater giver. Because there's no greater joy in life of being so content that you want to be a giver back. That you want to just give it back all the time. There's nothing that's so content. So much contentment in that. Contentment means we won't have as much stress. We won't be as tired. And we're certainly not in conflict as much. Can I just pray for us as a church this morning? I want to pray for you this. See, my heart, folks, is not for this church to be rich. I want you to be rich. Not necessarily oodles of money, but rich in the sense of your godliness and your contentment and your, your, just the peace of God. That's richness. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's richness. And when you can overcome any of these money issues, man, you can live with great contentment and peace in life. So I want to pray that for you. I just want to see a people who have got a hold of the understanding that, you know, um, I don't want money to become my God. I don't want money to master me. I want, it to, I want to master it. And I don't want my yearnings to become greater than my earnings because that will create some trouble. For me personally. So could we stand as we close this morning?
together. I just want to pray for you today. I want to pray God's blessing on you. I want to pray that we take His, His Word, not what I've said this morning, but His truth, and apply it to our lives. That we live by His principles and that we'd know contentment in life. We'd know godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what I want to pray. Father, today, as we stand before you as your people, Father, I would pray that, God, that they would take a hold of your words and that, Father, this would be, and time and time again, it's been proven that they're generous. As we give in first fruits, as we give in other areas, they've been generous. And I thank you for Port City people in this church, just part of your great church across this state and world. But, Lord, I ask that there will continue to be a passion to put you first in their lives, to honor you, Lord, because that's what we do when we give. And that, Father, there won't be stress and tiredness. There won't be these things that want to wear us out because we're chasing after the next greatest thing, but there will be incredible contentment and peace as they yield those things to you. Help them to do that. Help us to do that, Lord, to keep money and riches and wealth in the context of what it should be so that we can enjoy it and not endure it so that, Father, we can live free in you. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And I commit your people to you today. And I should blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Thank you for them. And thank you for what we've been able to do over the last several decades in touching many people's lives, whether it's in the Philippines or Thailand, whether it's in this city, Lord. Uh, with night chaplaincy on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, and the way we've been able to reach out, Lord, thank you. Whether it's school chaplaincy, thank you that these people have been incredibly generous. God, help us to continue to be that way, Lord, for your kingdom's sake. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone agreed, said? Amen. Amen.